Welcome to the Family Man Tactical Podcast. I'm your host, Chris. We're coming to you every week to discuss topics for family protectors. We're about creating community for tactical dads and moms, doing the work to become better protectors and providers, and being force multipliers for good. So come on in, sit back, relax, and let's have some fun. Okay, we're back at it with another week, another podcast, ready to rock and roll. Okay, so I don't know about y'all, but I am so dad tired this week, it's unreal. I think I said that on the last podcast, I was dad tired. And um, so I'll give you a quick story before we get into it. Uh, last couple days, um, I don't know if it's something I did and I'm being punished for, but I uh, had a main mainline sewer backup. Um, and, and so that was fun, uh, getting that taken care of, uh, Sunday. Now I'll be honest with you. I gave it the college try and I worked all Sunday afternoon trying to clear this thing in no bueno, man. So I got a plumber out there Sunday night and yes, of course I paid premium hours. Um, but Hey, had to, had to have it done before the, the week started essentially. So got that done. And, um, yeah, man. Uh, the other thing is, you know, going to be on the road a bit, um, soon. And I thought, you know what, on the family vehicle, it's probably a good idea to uh, get a brake job done. Um, they weren't quite there yet, but the distance that I'm going, I thought, you know what, I'd, I'd just rather have a brand new set of rotors and brakes on there. And now I've done over the years, you know, a, a good number of brake jobs with my father-in-law. So I always had somebody who was there experienced and just kind of like, we're chatting, having a cup of coffee while we're doing this. You know, I was never really by, I've done my rear drum brakes on my truck uh, by myself. And that, that was no big deal. Um, but yeah, none of it's a big deal. It's really all very simple. Um, but when you haven't done a brake job in two years, three years, um, you know, yeah, that was fun. And I didn't have an air compressor set up. So when I got to the point where I wanted to take the rotors off, um, the, the front, um, the front axle there, they were frozen on with rust. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm using brake free and <laughs> just spending so much time trying to get that stuff done. And, uh, yeah, I got the rotors off and the new ones on and new brake pads and, you know, did a, did a test drive and fitted the brake pads, um, broke those in. So yeah, I mean, we got stuff done this week, but man, I'm a little bit tired. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, uh, I'm going to try and stick to the outline of the podcast this week though. And I know last week was a little bit clunky and that's okay. You know, I left it up there and I didn't redo the podcast because this, this, brand is not about perfection. It's about growth. It's about a journey. Now, if I say something glaringly wrong, you know, I'm going to go back and correct it. Um, just cause you don't want people to, to have a misinformation, you know, and stuff like that. If I find out I'm wrong about a topic or, or something like that, but you know, all things being equal, um, you know, this brand, uh, supporting, encouraging, um, and even teaching, um, when possible, uh, family protectors and that whole thing. It doesn't have to be a polished, um, 
beautiful thing. Sometimes it's a little bit clunky. Sometimes you're going to see the lines on my face, uh, so to speak. Um, you're going to hear that I'm tired and all that kind of stuff because I feel like I relate better that way to one, it keeps my ego in check that, you know what, even if this became, this brand became some super famous thing and everybody knew me, I'm still the same guy with the same faults, the same, you know, worries and struggles that you all have. Um, and I'm no better than anybody and I'm, I'm really no worse. We're, we're in this mix together as family protectors, trying to be better protectors and providers. So, um, yeah, I thought about redoing that podcast from last week, but I'm not going to. I'm going to leave it up there in all its clunky glory um, to keep myself in check. Um, so, But that doesn't mean that I'm not going to strive to do better, right? <laughs> so this week we're talking about five keys for being ready for the fight. And, you know, when I, I left it general, I left it broad, that, that topic, being ready for the fight. And it's like, well, Chris, are we talking about a street fight? Are we talking about you know, fighting cancer? Are we talking about, you know, the end of the world, uh, apocalypse, uh, protecting your family? W what are we talking about here? Right? So there's that. Um, and I left it broad for a reason. Uh, I've, I've noticed kind of a thing here. And I want to know if you all have noticed the same thing. When it comes to men, we want to be ready for the fight. And we want to know in our heart of hearts that we're ready to protect. Um, and I sense a lot of, maybe not bravado. There's some bravado in the preparedness and Second Amendment community, firearms and all that kind of stuff. But some of it's just an, an admitted not knowing if they're ready for the fight, not knowing if they're combat ready, so to speak, um, out of men. And I think that's not a negative thing. I think that's a healthy thing. Constantly questioning, am I ready to face the the threats um, that are out there, whether they be, um, you know, spiritually, emotionally, physically, am I ready to face those threats? Um, and I, I see that out there. And I think if it's for the right reasons, if, if we're not trying to hide the fact that we're constantly assessing ourselves and going, hey, am I ready for this? You know, am I ready to use my bare hands um, to to protect my family? Am I ready to use a firearm in, in um, justified self-defense? Am I ready to um, cut out um, social influences that are after my family's mind, you know, and in a negative way, right? Am I ready to face those things? I think that's a healthy thing. I think where it's not healthy is when we... You know, we, as I think we men have always, we've all done this at some point in our life, but me especially is when you try to kid yourself that you're ready for something that you're really not. And, and that can be, that's where I think it can be dangerous. You're, you're cognizant that you want to be ready for the fight. You don't know if you are. So maybe you overcompensate by how you talk or what you do or what you wear or whatever. Um, and I, it's it's not earth-shattering uh, revelations here that that's just a dangerous um, thing to be in. And I think, obviously, young men are more prone to that. But I've seen older men that never grew up, right, that that just, you know, they, they get swole at the gym and they look intimidating and stuff. They don't know how to fight. Um, and, and they say, 
um, crude and rude things um, as a form of bravado to to you know project this um, scary force, right? So that hopefully no one will mess with them, right? Um, and I, I've seen folks that come across like that. I, I you know, it is what it is. Um, but I think deep down inside, a lot of those people is they just want to know that I'm ready for the fight. I'm ready to be an effective protector and provider. And that's written in our DNA as, uh, <laughs> as men, uh, whether we acknowledge it or not. Now you take women and they got that whole mama bear complex, right? And, uh, that's a God given gift. Um, and I'm just, uh, I know from the, the, um, analytics that most of the people that listen to this podcast, right? I've said this before. Most of the people that listen to this podcast are in fact men, right? According to the analytics, if, if, um, that's correct. Uh, but there is a small percentage that are women. And I always tip my hat to those women because, you know, being involved and interested in protecting your family in the broader sense, protecting and providing for your family, you know, um, I believe that that God gave um, man, woman and 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 vice versa and that together they're one and I think they should share those interests. And, and so I think that's cool. And I just always like to stop and take a moment. If you're a woman listening to this podcast, you're interested in, um, you know, the topics of, uh, being a good protector and provider, um, and supporting a wholesome family and stuff like that. Just give us a shout out. You can go down to the family note or, um, the, the podcast notes in uh, the email there. Um, drop us a note, let us know. And, um, or go over to social and uh, and drop us a comment or DM us. We'd love to know, you know, hear from you uh, family protector women out there. So back to the topic. We've got, we've got family protectors out there that want to know, hey, am I ready for the fight? And, and just questioning, leaving that question open-ended is not okay, right? We want some sort of resolution there. We want to know, hey, how, how do we test this? Do we go around and pick fights with people? And uh, obviously not. That's not a good idea, right? Uh, do we go to this one training course that will show us that we're completely ready for the, the fight? Whether that be, again, with a carbine, a handgun, um, you know, a knife, a stick, unarmed combatives, Maybe it's competition. Maybe competition um, in MMA lets us know that we're ready for the fight, right? What What is it? What lets us know that, hey, I'm, I've hit where I need to be. And yes, I want to keep improving, keep my skills sharp, but I'm, I'm at a point where I can effectively protect my family against some really nasty threats out there. And being honest with yourself, not just saying, you know, oh, one-on-one, -on -one, I'm sure I could, you know, handle this situation, but now maybe three, four on one. What's my plan, right? Can I f effectively engage threats in a myriad of different situations um, with different dynamics and, you know, people present or not present? You know, am I a broad form, broad spectrum protector who's capable? And that's a good question. But how do we pressure test that? So uh, let's see here. Experience. That's the first thing that jumps up to me is experience. You know, what's your experience? Are you an experienced um, street fighter? 
Are you an experienced uh, person that can see threat recognition because of your training, uh, whether that be in law enforcement, working undercover, maybe you were in intelligence and, and were actually um, involved in human intelligence. I mean, something really cool like that. What about for the rest of us? Most of us are not street fighters. Most of us, by the numbers, are not involved in law enforcement and are not combat veterans. The vast majority of the military are not combat veterans because the vast majority of the military is this support effort for the tip of the spear, which is our warfighters, right? So even the, the most military veterans are not combat veterans, right? How do we know we're ready for the fight? Can we rely on experience alone? And then the next step is, okay, well, let's say I knew I was going to be in some sort of combatives or combat. Having never had that experience before, how do I survive that fight? And I'm, I'm trying not to get too deep here, but I'm trying to set the stage for these five keys that can, can help us prepare as family protectors, as Joe the average citizen, um, to be significantly better tomorrow than we were today and continue that trend to a point. So my first, uh, I would say, deadly encounter was <laughs> in a ranked, um, they traded back at the time, they were trading back and forth um, for the number one and two most dangerous cities in the U.S. at this time. And, you know, I just had, I, I think I've told this story on this podcast before. We were doing some work for an elderly family member that, that lived in this nasty part of town, refused to leave, you know, took very good care of their house. It was interesting. It was like this little oasis of a house with perfectly manicured lawn and, you know, perfectly taking care of everything in like this war zone. And everybody pretty much leaved him, left him alone because he was like that movie Grand Torino with Clint Eastwood. People just left him alone. He was, you know, um, uh, a tough dude, shall we say. Uh, but anyway, we were, we were building a better privacy fence for him so he could have his oasis because, again, he refused to leave. So we ran up to the local hardware store and we were getting lumber, bringing it back in my truck and um, were accosted by uh, some gangbangers. Now, I'm not going to go into the full story here because it's kind of long, but suffice to say, I, <laughs> I was on the wrong end of a gun that day and it changed my outlook. Um, I was completely unprepared for that event as a young man. I did the best I could at the time and I made some tactically good decisions. I made some tactically bad decisions, uh, but I was not ready for the fight and I was kind of cast into that experience. And you always have to be ready. Now, the good thing that came out of that, and I've, I've mentioned this before, is that it set my desire to be a better, and I didn't have a family. Um, I had just gotten married at that time. You know, I didn't have kids, I'm saying, and I was, I was a young guy. I got married really young. Uh, so that whole thing happened and, you know, I, I look back at that and I, I'm thankful for it because it really made me just on fire to, to learn 
all sorts of broad spectrum protective skills and, and really learn things about myself as far as um, adrenaline uh, rushes and, and how to handle that and how to get used to that. And, and so I survived the experience, but not because I was good is what I'm saying. Um, I would say, some say, well, you were lucky. I said, well, I was blessed. You know, every day, everybody has a day assigned to them when they're going to go meet the Lord. I believe that. Um, I believe that he knows, um, you know, we're allowed free will and stuff, but there's, there's just come, come a certain point where your number's up. And my number was not up, thankfully. That's why I'm here talking to y'all. <laughs> okay. But there was other situations down the road after I had been somewhat trained and I had better training and I worked a job as a locksmith for several years and in a very short period of time you know the funny thing about locksmiths is and and i'd love to hear from you know anybody who's a locksmith out there but it can be interesting in the city i was working in there was a lot of domestic disputes so there was um there was people changing the locks on each other or trying to get access to a house where you know when you get there you know there's a protocol to kind of protect yourself and if you feel uneasy you know you're supposed to call the sheriff out and all that kind of stuff so there was that but there was other times when you know you went into a seemingly you know easy situation oh hey i, I locked out and you find out the person lied like they don't you know they have um a restraining order and they're not supposed to be in that house but they showed you id and all that and, and it gets really muddy and and gets really wonky real quick but luckily the sheriffs are really good about that they'd come out very quickly and kind of sort the situation out but a lot can go on um when locks are being changed or all that kind of stuff you know access to and from a house and or in you know any building really um and i had i started tallying up the the situations that i had you know not to mention like late night calls where you know, you're being called out and you have to get your spidey sense whether you're being set up to be robbed or something like that. So I had and that I'm actually thinking about setting a series together of uh, Tales from the Hood um, that kind of outline all the crazy stories that happened uh, throughout that time. Some of them are funny. Some of them are just like, whoa, I learned a valuable lesson or, hey, I just got to experience an adrenaline rush. Thankfully, um, that didn't go much worse. Right. But through all those situations, I guess my point is, um, I, I started to handle them better and better each time I learned something new. And while again, I believe completely in the protection of the Lord, um, I was able to actually use some of that training and uh, threat recognition and experience from just situations that were didn't smell right. Right. And I was better prepared to handle the fight by positioning myself not to have to fight, I guess is what I'm saying. So yeah, those are, those are things from my past that I pull from and remember that when I'm trying to be ready for the fight, it's not necessarily meaning that I throw the best cross or I have a killer hook or my split times are ridiculously low or my, my carbine skills, you know, are the best in the industry. Because I'll be honest with you, they're not. I just, even if my skill level was there where I was doing some 
you know, magical stuff handling my carbine, the reality is I don't have enough time to devote to train it. I have just enough time to keep very proficient with the basics and stay very good at those. Um, so there's that. Okay. Look, I would say the takeaway from today is there are things, and, and I'm going to get to it in a moment here. There are five things that each one of us can work on every day in a very small way and be progressing to better handle whatever fight we come across, whether that be um, an apocalyptic defense of the family or whether it's a shoving match. Um, not that we should get into shoving matches, but you know what I mean, right? Okay, so here they are, and I'm going to break out each one of these uh, in some detail, okay? The first one, and they're not necessarily in order of importance. They're in order that I thought of, so don't get too wound around the axle there. Excuse me, I just had to take some coffee in um, because I, I'm dad tired, remember? <laughs> so lots of coffee today. All right, the first one is being mentally prepared. And it's that one's easy to say, well, you have to be mentally prepared for the, the fight. But actually truly understanding that was, I'll, I'll give credit where credit's due when I break that one out. And, and some perspective there where I got that information. And man, it was it true. Uh, the other thing is being physically prepared. So whether you're running from a fight and that's your way of winning the fight or whether you're actually fighting or whether you are in such good shape that the stress of the adrenaline that starts running through your system uh, right before a fight, that you're able to handle that and not stroke out and have a heart attack, right? So be, being physically strong, agile, and having endurance are so important. The other thing is training. So the third, second thing was physically prepared. Third thing is being trained. Now there's a difference between training and practice, and I am horrible about this. I mix these up all the time. I use them in interchangeably, and they're not. So training is when you're being taught something, right? You, you get trained for a new job. Uh, you go get training for firearms training um, to be better. And there's that whole thing. And then, of course, practice. So practice is the one, the other item there that gets used interchangeably with training. And, and again, there's a difference. I'm going training today. Oh, well, who's training you? Or I'm going practicing today. But most people say I'm going to go train. Well, practice is um, what makes us perfect, right? <laughs> or at least uh, try to be perfect. So there's the practice. And then the fifth thing is uh, equipped. Are you equipped? Do you stay equipped? Right? And what does being equipped for the fight mean? Um, so we'll break that out too here. Okay, so let's go back to the top here. Again, we've got being mentally prepared, physically prepared, trained, practiced, and equipped for the fight. Okay, so I think with this framework, honestly, and again, this is just kind of items that I've collected over the years from mentor training mentors, from folks that I just pick up wisdom from, you know, it's just stuff along the way uh, that I put together in this toolbox and I try to evaluate myself against these things here. Um, and it keeps me moving forward. Again, you know, I keep joking about me being dad tired, but that, that 
that whole thing, you know, and all the responsibilities that I have pull me away from maintaining my protector and ready for the fight skills. And so if I, if I approach this framework here, I can stay more organized with my practice, not training, training when that's necessary and all the other nuances here. So being mentally prepared. Some of you may be aware there is a guy that goes by John Mosby, um, former uh, Green Beret, uh, pretty much foul mouth <laughs> uh, guy, uh, but he's got just really good information on, on how to be a better warrior. Uh, broad spectrum. Most of it focuses on soldiering stuff, but some of it is clandestine pistol carry in uh, non-permissive environments, etc. It's just really good warrior stuff. Uh, you know, so I, I've talked about him before, but he he put out some good stuff about being mentally prepared for violence, right? And and I think this is good. I, three or four of them were attributed to him. I've heard other people say these, all of these things in a different way, in a different organization. So it's not necessarily nuanced to him, but, you know, I, it's in the structure. He said it, so I'm going to give credit to him. Um, the first thing is rightful confidence. You have to have rightful confidence. And, and it's like knowing that you can walk and chew gum at the same time. You've done it so many times that you just know you can do it. And you've you've done it when it was raining. You did it when you were sick to your stomach. You've chewed gum and walked uh, maybe when you were dizzy. So under a myriad of, I don't know, situations, if you will, you've been able to perform this task. And I think that's what what's meant there is through proper training and regular practice. I mean, good training. Training that you know is the real deal. Not somebody's 1990s take on bad breath range pistol retention where they do some wonky speed rock and it's been proven time and time again on officer roadside stops to be a very bad way of retaining your pistol um, in, in close combat there. We're not talking about that. We're talking about something where it can be demonstrated with maybe Craig Douglas and extreme close quarter concepts. So not all training makes makes the case for rightful confidence. We have to have some sort of common sense that this is the best training. It is the, the most widely accepted best way to handle fighting. Um, so that's definitely important and why rightful confidence, not just confidence, but rightful confidence matters. And we know when it's not rightful, rightful confidence because it doesn't work under pressure testing, right? So good training, good practice, having had that experience. And that's where I go back to the beginning where I say, do you have to have been in combat? Do you have to have been in a fight and survived to be ready for the fight? I would say no, because when I did my first dangerous lethal situation, I was not ready for the fight. And when I left the fight, I wouldn't say I survived that on my prowess alone. I want to say the Lord protected me because I had the opportunity. I was staring down the wrong end of a gun and I'm still here. 
And that's not because I was good. Okay. So that's where I say the rightful confidence has, has a really good place because being able to pressure test that prepares you for that situation and that pressure that we put on training and practice and all that kind of stuff. And it ties right into um, the, the subsets of training and practice. But I'm saying when you know that in your brain, that's where that confidence comes from, at least for me. You know, there's all the other thing, too. I, I watched a lot of people when when MMA got really big. Right. And people would gather and watch MMA fights and stuff like that. And they would start to believe that they themselves could perform like these people that are in the octagon because they were watching it so often. They were able to be analytical and see, OK, he's going to throw this combination because that's what he always does. But being able to see and recognize that he's this person is going to, on TV, throw this combination is completely different than being able to slip those punches and counter them, right? So there's that thought, is rightful confidence also addresses the fact that you're actually doing it, not watching it. There's a big difference. And in the age of social media, we're watching a bunch of people training and practicing. And we turn around and we do a couple reps of that and it sounds good and we continue to watch that and keep scrolling through our social media. And now we've lied to ourselves that we're capable of doing the same thing. Or at least there's the potential to lie to ourselves. So that's important. That's a little pitfall that I want to always make sure that I'm, I'm saying is just because this looks easy to me and just because I can perform it doesn't mean that that's the same as performing it 50 times like I should. Right? Okay. The next thing in that subset is the utter will to survive. And that comes, in my mind, from doing hard things. Building resolve. Having that resolve is a matter of, and I'm desperately trying to get better at this, doing the small things and doing the bigger things and then the next bigger things and having that resolve to take a stand where it's necessary. Okay? It's, it's not easy. Look, I'm going to share something with you all. That's really kind of personal, but hopefully it helps somebody out there. I made the decision because of an existing medical condition not to be vaccinated um, when, when the mandates were coming down. Okay. Um, it's just how it is. Now, I don't, I don't judge people that want to get vaccinated. I'm not judging people that don't want to get vaccinated. I personally, for me and my medical condition, I was not a good candidate. I can tell you this, I would not have been getting vaccinated if, even if I was a good candidate. Uh, I believe anytime you coerce people into doing stuff, hmm, there's, a, there's a reason why it may not be in their best interest to do that thing um, that you're trying to coerce them into doing. Otherwise, they would do it without being coerced. All right. So anyway. I made this decision, and in my normal job, I, I had to get to a point where I reconfirmed the fact that while I am a provider for my family, that's my belief system that the Lord provides for me, and I recognize that first, and whether I'm working for this company or that company, I have to take a stand, you know. This body that's been given to me, I have to take good care of it, what I put into it and all those things. And if I don't believe something should go into that body 
or I need more time to discern whether it's a good choice or not. Well, then I have that right. So my point is this, I had to take a stand. And I didn't do it in a kick down the door way of, of taking a stand. I, I just had a simple conversation with my employer. And that decision was respected, thankfully. But I had to come to terms with the fact that I may have to take a stand here. And that was maybe a small way for some of you who are doing much harder things than me. But that was a hard thing for me because I had to come to terms with the fact that even if this doesn't work out, and even if they say, well, sorry, Chris, uh, you can't work here anymore, right? I'm going to have to come up with something else and, and go to another job. And I had built a lot of street creds at my, my current job. And I liked working with those people, and I still do. So I, I had to be willing in order to take a stand. To, to, that's what I'm talking about, okay? Is we've got to be able to, in the small everyday things, we've got to be able to be tough, compassionate, but tough. And, and draw the line and do the hard things and build that resolve to survive and understand um, ourselves better. The other thing is the utter belief in the righteousness of your cause. There's, I'm guessing that, that, that most of you feel the same way I do, that nobody's allowed to lay their hands on my, my children or my wife. You know, nobody's allowed to intimidate them or whatever. And I believe so strongly in that, whether I'm allowed by law to have self-defense capabilities or not, I'm going to. See, my job was given to me by God to protect and provide for my family. He's the ultimate authority. Now, when I'm screwing up, when I'm not doing a good job, I answer to him first. I also answer to um, the authorities that have been put in place to keep law and order, right? There's a, there's a pecking order there. And I have to make sure that as long as all of those authorities underneath God are aligned, that they're, they're there for the right reasons. They're there for, um, you know, correct law and order, that it's not evil in nature or whatever, that I have to respect those. And in the same way, I also have to respect my moral code, um, and defend the righteousness of my cause. Um, and that gives me courage is what I'm saying. There's got to be a belief in the righteousness of your cause, because if not, we can have all the other items. But if we don't have courage based on the righteousness of our cause, being good family protectors and providers, well, then we don't have the resolve to act in, uh, use violence in the act of self-defense, right? And, and some people don't. It's called a gut check, right? A lot of people refer to it as a gut check. It's important, you know? Every day, officers go out and they know that the car they stop on the side of the road could be the one where the fight is. And they, so they handle themselves in a, in a certain way. They've done their gut check. They're, they're ready for the unknown. Um, and they've fully committed themselves to, to their job that day. In the same way, us citizens need to know that the day you run out to the grocery store, the day you run out to... Um, go about your business and get your job done and come home at the end of the night and enjoy your family. When you go out, you know, there might be someone there that has a completely different agenda for you, you know. And so, again, that that is something I try to remind myself of because I can get lost in the rat race and, and sometimes forget that um, 
other people might have other ideas for you and, and how your day is going to go. And that leads right into willingness to use um, violence. If you don't have courage from the righteousness of your cause, you will definitely not be willing to use violence. I knew a kid growing up that was a phenomenal hockey player. And for whatever reason, he was a really strong guy too. Actually, he was like, like, I swear he was just made out of rebar, you know, and he would, he would not check in a hockey game, you know, legal checking. He would not check. And it was interesting to me because he was so strong and he was so capable, you know, who knows? I, I just, I know the guys razzed him a lot about it and because they knew he was capable, you know, playing around in hockey practice, he would deliver a, a light check and it would, you know, um, it was really effective. So naturally the team members, but he, he relied more on finesse, but he was unwilling to check. And I'm not saying that he was bad for doing that. He was just a great guy, um, still is, but the point is, is if we're unwilling, we're capable, but unwilling to use violence to protect our families, well, then we're a dog with no teeth, right? Um, so that's, that's that gut check is being, are you even willing to use violence in, in a lawful manner, um, all across the board, you know, with, with lining up with your, your belief in God and your moral compass with, um, you know, regular law and order, uh, what, what the laws say about self-defense are you, within those confines, are you willing to use violence, right? And, uh, you know, we're the only ones that can answer that on an individual level. The other thing, obviously, a lot of lip service gets paid to this, but emotional control. So being mentally prepared and not clouded by emotions, you know, you can get really angry. I mean, really angry. You can get really afraid. You can get really sad. You can get really embarrassed. You know, there's all these things. I think Paul Vunak did a really good job on discussing the dynamic in one of his trainings. It was a long time ago about all the different things that you can feel and as a man being real with yourself and saying, yes, I do have these emotions. They're here for a reason, but they're not going to control my situation and they're not going to control me. I'm going to accept them. I'm going to acknowledge those emotions that, yes, this guy just cut me off in traffic and had the audacity to flip me the bird. Is that, is that sense of maybe my pride being hurt or anger or wherever that comes from? Am I going to let that goad me into a road rage incident? Or am I going to back off, slow my car down, allow some space, and let this individual go on about their day knowing that I am capable of being ready for the fight. I am ready for the fight. It's just not something that really needs to be addressed. Let this person go. They're going to meet somebody just like them. And those two people or three people or four people are going to fight it out. And they're all going to be losers in, in the big game, right? So that emotional control, it's something when I was a younger man was not really good at. And now I'm trying to be a lot better so I can be a good example for my children um, and, and kind of carry on. Um, so I'm always working on that. So yeah, those things. Now, I, look, we spent a lot of time hitting that, but the mentally prepared part of being ready for the fight, I think is so darn important because you can get training in a weekend. 
and you can get that training in a weekend and you can go practice your heart out for the next three months and be really good. It takes years and time sometimes to develop a rightful confidence, an utter will to survive, an utter belief in the righteousness of your self-defense cause, um, willingness to use those skills um, in the defense of yourself and, and others, and then being able to control that emotion. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a whole ball of wax there. And I probably should have done a podcast just on that. And maybe we will at some point. And, and I'd like to actually get a guest on to talk about that stuff with me. And actually, a friend of mine uh, reached out. And I know it, I'd asked for some suggestions uh, for having remote, you know, the, the software for using remote um, podcast uh, capability. Right. So um, I got some of that feedback there. And I think we're going to get it done. So. There's at least three people I want to have on this podcast, and maybe we can talk about that stuff because I would like some some feedback from other family protectors. So, yeah. Okay. Being physically prepared. I'm not going to spend too much time on this one because this has already been a long podcast. I think we're going for an hour. This might be the first hour-long podcast I've done. But hopefully you're getting some value out of it because these are the things I think about and I need to work on, right? Because I don't think I'll ever have arrived at being completely ready for the fight, but I want to be a, in a constant state of being better, better, better. Um, so physically prepared. There's really being physically prepared for a fight can be categorized into three things, really. And I already mentioned those being agile, so flexible, having agility, that sort of thing. Um, and, and there's ways you can do that um, and train that and being strong. The reality is, is the 90-pound weakling might be an excellent grappler on the ground um, in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but the reality is the 220-pound guy that is just throws a, a killer cross, you know, is, is going to hit way harder than that 90-pound guy, right? And so there's there's a thing about being strong. You want to be strong. Um, you know, I've heard people say, you know, people that maybe were uh, a bit overweight and wearing a black belt um, in whatever martial art they do, and, you know, they're not fit. And while they might be able to teach the forms and, and everything correctly and stuff, they could be better if they were in better shape. Right? That's all I'm saying is we have to be in better shape than we were. And that's something, again, I'm desperately trying to carve out the time and make sure I'm giving good attention to. The other thing is endurance, right? So, you know, you've got this in a fight, in a dangerous, life-altering situation. You've got this surge of adrenaline. And that's going to last for only so long. And sometimes fights go beyond the time when the adrenaline starts to level out. And now you're relying on what your your body can do endurance-wise. And people get gassed. I mean, you can go look up right now on YouTube and see a street fight where everybody starts to get gassed a, a minute or two into it. You know, and, and the fight is continuing on. People get gassed. So endurance is a good thing. And we can fix that. Honestly, there's... Playing hopscotch with your kids, 
I know it sounds silly, but you can you can get more agile by playing hopscotch. You can go get be more agile by taking dance lessons with your wife. Um, you know, obviously uh, lifting weights, doing some push-ups can make us more strong, and going out for long walks. Honestly, we can we can start impacting the level level of our endurance as family protectors, as men and women too, just by going on long walks with our family, keeping a good pace. Yeah, you can go run a marathon, and we probably all should, uh, but, you know, that doesn't always happen. So these are little things that we can, at, at the same time, benefit our family, play with them, be active with them, but get, get better, more physically fit, is what I'm saying. Okay, so training. Good training. Now, I'm not going to go into the full detail. Again, I think this could be broken out into a whole separate podcast uh, with not only selecting uh, so whoever's going to train you, but also getting training in a wide variety, a broad form spectrum of skill sets, threat recognition. You know, there's there are some really good people out there. Again, uh, I, I've, I've said I really like Rory Miller's um, Facing Violence, that book. Not everything I agree in there with uh, the actual combatives portion of it, but the analysis and threat recognition. I mean, who am I to question that? It's so true. And after I read that many years ago, I actually saw that stuff play out. There's other people that are really good at threat recognition and shady behavior, and you can go look them up and find them. Um, so that's something that can be trained. Uh, and and you can play games when you're out in public to, to look at people. And, and you know, Kim's game. Uh, look up Kim's game. But improving your threat recognition by your, you know, improving your situational awareness, that kind of stuff. Threat mitigation, how to de-escalate situations, which ties back in. All these concepts tie back into each other, right? So threat mitigation. You can't de-escalate a situation if you're not in control of your emotions. Neither can I. Ask me how I know, right? Um, getting empty hand training. So maybe you, all you focus on is Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but the guy that you wrap up with is into Thai boxing and, you know, just picks you apart from the outside. You know, there's that or vice versa, right? It, I'm not picking on any any art. I'm just saying every art, you know, where Thai boxing is strong in, in one area, Brazilian jiu-jitsu is strong in another area. And then there's, you know, this over here and there's that over there. And so getting a wide variety of of different arts and I do subscribe to the idea of actually going and training with somebody in Thai boxing and then going over and Brazilian jiu-jitsu and this and that and that as opposed to uh, one person that offers everything unless they pay proper respect to each of the arts and their compartmentalization and there's only one person that I know that's done that really well um, but again, that's another podcast. So then you have weapons and then you have team, uh, like a security team in a grid down situation. So you have all these different levels of training as a family protector that you could need, right? And some of them threat recognition is, is obviously, uh, much more common and applicable to you right now. Whereas small unit tactics and team security is maybe less of a reality Definitely could be very realistic for you in the future, but you might not need it tomorrow, right? So how do we prioritize that time is always an important um, 
topic. And again, man, so many good ideas for talking about um, future podcasts. The other thing is practice, right? So I mentioned that there's not much to say other than there's a lot we can do at home that we don't. You don't have to, gosh, um, Blake Flannery on Instagram. He has Maneuver Solutions LLC. Love his channel. He's a former Recondo, and he just puts out basic level. Now he's he's done some really cool things. Has some really you know high speed low drag training, but he puts out mastering the basics type stuff for citizen defenders, for law enforcement, for military folks, and it's all solid. He's a polished instructor. You can tell by the way he he presents his material. And, you know, that's it's just one of the things that he said, and there's my point here is bringing him up. You can go find him on Instagram, is that there's the vast majority of firearm stuff can be practiced in dry fire uh, at home. You can set up training areas at home in dry, with dry fire. The only thing that you theoretically can't train at home using dry fire with all your drills and how creative you get is recoil mitigation. That's it. So something to think about there. Um, okay, equipped. The last thing is you can have all this done everything done there. If you're not equipped, like physically equipped for like, oh, hey, I've gotten all this concealed carry training, but I forgot to put on my pistol today. I have all this survival training uh, from this really cool SEER instructor, but I never carry an emergency survival kit in my, my jeans pocket. You know, oh, I went to this awesome TC3, um, you know, tactical combat casualty care that's what I'm saying. I went to this TC3 course, but I never carry a tourniquet. You know, like if we're not equipped, we're not ready for the fight. Same thing goes with, you could even take this a step further and saying, if you don't go through your gut check every single day, being mentally prepared for the fight, you're not equipped. Your brain, your brain is the weapon, right? The firearm, your hands, uh, tourniquet, those are all tools, right? That's why you know, I, I did put mentally prepared first is because it was the very most important. And that's why I spent the most amount of time on that is because that is the most important thing. But again, so many times folks, you know, go, go get their concealed carry license and they only carry occasionally. The problem is while you may have a 0% chance of running into a problem one day, there's another day where, and this kind of gets into some wacky thinking as far as the time continuum, you know, this person's decision, while they have free choice and whatever, is this kind of butterfly effect uh, thought process here. But this person, this bad guy, has already decided to live a life where they're going to accost people and cause problems and whatever, and you're headed on a collision course with this person. Now, you could make a seemingly innocent decision to go to this place instead of that place and completely miss your path of uh, collision with this person. But eventually, you're going to run into somebody that means you harm. 
and at that time, at that day, you had a 100% chance of a collision course with a bad person. And so being equipped is not something because we can't see, we can't hover above uh, time, space, and matter and see where these collision courses are. We just have to go equipped every day. We have to assume that out of this nice, peaceful life that I've lived for the past several years without an incident, without, you know, having a sketchy situation, eventually it's going to happen again. I don't believe that we should live in fear. I, should be, I, I believe that the more we thank God for peace and good community and stuff like that, we can enjoy that stuff and we're not fearful of the bad guy. We just want to be ready for him. That's it. We don't need to be afraid of him. We just need to be ready for him. And the best way to do that, obviously, is to avoid the bad guy. And, and there's many ways to do that. But again, the reality is we might not get to avoid him. And so we got to be equipped. Uh, I like to carry, obviously, my pistol wherever I can. Um, I like to carry a tourniquet. I carry a lighter, a flashlight, a very small flashlight, too. It's not very bright. Um, about 200 lumens. I carry a miniature survival kit. I've broken that out on my Instagram. You can go check that out. It's uh, in the post there. And it has some cool stuff in it. But that's about it. And I carry my cell phone as a comms device. And sometimes my earbuds, my Apple uh, earbuds, right? So I can, I can be hands-free while I'm talking and completely unaware of my surroundings because I'm focused on my conversation. Sorry, I had to take a jab at myself. Um, but yeah, hey, look, you can't, you can't roll everywhere with an M4, right? Um, but you can roll just about everywhere that legally allows with a with a Glock 19, you know, and a reload. Oh, that's the other thing I carry. I carry a reload, right? So there you have it, guys. There's five concepts to. There's five concepts to being ready for the fight. So what do you think? Did I miss something? Is there something in that umbrella or framework that I'm missing? I always ask this because I like feedback. I like when you guys drop emails and say, hey, man, you know, you were completely wrong. And here's why. I love that. You're not going to hurt my feelings. Believe me. I, I deal with uh, much bigger issues at work every day. Okay. But it's good to get that feedback. Or maybe you say, hey, man, you know, you did a good job, but you're missing one key component here. Um, and and maybe I add that and I put that out on uh, the podcast here and you benefit a bunch of people uh, that way. So it's kind of an open forum. Just be respectful. Uh, be courteous. That's all we ask. Uh, so, yeah. Look, lots of people talk a tough game about being ready for whatever fight whether it be, you know, an MMA style fight, street fight, or the apocalypse. And they just, they've got it all figured out and they talk in a manner that indicates bravado. And I think honestly, it's just puffing themselves up to convince themselves that they are in fact ready for the fight. I think it has nothing to do with the audience. They just want uh, somebody to appear to be listening. Um, so that's, that's my thought there. I could be wrong. You know, there's, there's other people, and, and not every situation is, is as straightforward as what I'm, you know, broad brush painting, um, people that puff themselves up about being ready for the fight. And like I said, I think questioning ourselves, asking ourselves the question in the mirror, hey, are you ready to meet this fight? 
three guys that are much bigger than you. Are you ready for that fight? Uh, maybe they jump out of a van. And you realize that you forgot your pistol that day. Are you ready for that fight? What are you going to do? You know, start. One of the best uh, mixed martial arts things I learned was to let yourself fight at a disadvantage. So that when you were able to fight at your normal capacity or practice at your normal capacity, that you were really good right? That it enhanced your ability. So just some things to think about there. I, I know that's like more along the lines of how to train to, to pressure test um, and enhance your skill sets. But yeah. So hopefully you see this is not just applicable to street fighting. It's not just applicable. And I'm not a street fighter. Look, I've, I've had bad situations, which I always, I always laugh. I think when I have a bad situation that I've encountered in a, in a fight that's happened and I run into somebody else that had something way worse and I, I always like to pull from them and say, well, how did you handle that? Because my situation was different and maybe learn from something uh, that happened to them. And I think that's important too, is we can be better equipped and ready for the fight um, by learning from the experiences of others. So that's something that I could probably add to this list. Um, anyway. Look, we're at time here. I spent an hour talking about this. Again, it's a very passionate topic for me because I spent a lot of time learning and building out this framework for trying to keep myself effective. And hopefully you have a similar or better uh, framework. But if you don't, you're free to use this. And yeah, we'll, we'll keep encouraging each other and helping each other become better because what else are we going to do with our life, you know? You can go out and make all the money in the world. You can become the next uh, Elon Musk. But if you're not providing, not that he's not providing value to other people. I was just using him as an example. If we're not providing value to others, then what are we doing? Why are we here? Right? So, um, yeah, that's it. So, hey, this week is about halfway over. Today is actually hump day. Um, so, hope you make it over the hump that you ease into the weekend if you don't work on the weekend. If you got your weekend now, I mean, I'm envious. But yeah, we'll go ahead and tackle the rest of this week and pray that the Lord bless you, protect you and your family, and help you become better each and every day. We'll talk to you soon.